The viewpoints expressed on Night Fright are not necessarily those of the host, the staff, the sponsors, or the affiliate stations. Tonight's program may contain graphic themes or images. Viewer discretion is advised. Showtime! Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Holland, and welcome, one and all, to Night Fright. Get the coffee going, get the tea going, get a beverage of your choice going. We've got a great show for you tonight. Now, let's get going. Let me read this right from the book that we are going to be discussing tonight. And i got to tell you, it's a little unnerving. It's called Planetary Acquisition. If the aliens want the Earth... Humans, that's us guys, are an obstacle. If a technological civilization exists on a targeted planet, in this case, Earth, once again, that's us guys, the aliens have several major choices. They can destroy the civilization. They can convince humans that takeover is in their best interests and therefore have a smooth transition, or they can take over the planet and the civilization, are you ready for this, without the people knowing. The first option wasn't chosen. The second option has not been offered. Now the third option, folks, appears to be in operation right now. The book is called Walking Amongst Us, The Alien Plan to Control Humanity. Our guest tonight, David M. Jacobs, Ph.D., just let me read a little bit about his bio. David M. Jacobs is an American historian and just retired as Associate Professor of History at Temple University. He is also a well-known UFO researcher, primarily in the alien abduction field. This is a really ominous title, David. Welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for joining us tonight to discuss your new book. Well, thanks for having me, Brant. I, I appreciate it. You're very welcome, my friend. Okay, let's jump in right away. In the book, you lay out a roadmap that the aliens are taking to control us. Can you give us a brief synopsis of what this roadmap is? Well, control right now is not national or or even regional or anything like that, but it is person to person. And uh, what we've known about this phenomenon since basically the very beginning, since uh, early 
early on is that they can control people uh, neurologically and uh, we cannot uh, control them. Uh, that makes them a, a, a different kind of being, uh, one that we have never encountered before. And obviously that one has um, extreme technological competence. And uh, uh, why this planet would be targeted, I do not know, uh, but we don't have to know right now. It doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is that these beings are saying that um, soon they will all be together. We will all be together with them. Uh, soon they will all be here. And throughout the book, uh, um, you can see that they're talking about coming here, learning about how to eat a peach, learning about how to use a fork, the most mundane things imaginable, uh, especially when they're young. Uh, and when they're older, also learning about more complex things, all with the help of, of abductees. Now, why they would want to do this, once again, we don't know. So the ultimate goal is unknown at this point. Is that correct? The ultimate goal is is not that, that question in, in a sense because we know that they're, they're doing it. We know that they that their goal is to live here. Therefore, they will be controlling us automatically. But why they are doing it is up to other beings on board the UFO, if I may, may even say that, because... Uh, uh, the whole thing is so totally insane on the surface. But why this is happening in the large uh, aspect of it is simply not, we don't know. And now the interesting thing about that is that if this were psychological, and the abduction phenomenon is one of two things, it's psychological or it's happening. There's, there's nothing in the middle like UFOs where people can be mistaken, they can see the right things, but they're planes, whatever, you know. Uh, with this, it's happening. You know, you're not pregnant. That's it. Exactly right. That, that's exactly right. So if if that were the case, if people were making this up, then we'd know. Just like they're making everything else up. Well, they would, they're making it up that they want our uh, natural resources or 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 whatever it is that they want. You know, they're going to get it. Uh, but uh, abductees don't know, and the beings who are uh, learning to live here don't know. Their task, as one said, is to live here. That's what they have to do. That's what they do. Uh, why? Your, we're still not sure why. What's your primary source of information? Well, you have to understand that the primary source of information for all this is as weak a form of evidence as one can possibly get. How so? It is human memory, of which I have none, uh, um, that is recovered, this is memory that is, has to be recovered, it's not on the tip of their brains, by uh, hypnosis, with all its attendant problems, hypnosis of all the damn things, uh, uh, administered oftentimes by uh, amateurs like me. Now, I've only been doing it for 30 years or whatever, her, but uh, but I never had training. I had to learn on the job, so to speak. So uh, the kind of evidence that you get then, you would think, would be ridiculously weak. The problem is uh, everybody basically says the same thing. They all have the same types of experiences that is not known in the 
public. They uh, describe the same things. They know that as a PhD or an MD or an LLD or this D or that D, that if they come to me and talk about this phenomenon, uh, they are taking the chance of somebody else finding out, not through me, but through them inadvertently or whatever, that could destroy their careers. For example, I've worked with people in the mental health community, and this is about the last thing they would want anybody to know. A psychiatrist, for example, it's just impossible for them to, 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 to deal with this if somebody knows. But yet they come. They want to know what has been happening to them since they were a child, and now they're into their older years, and they, they want to know, and uh, they'll do it. This is not the kind of, so in other words, the evidence is stronger than you think. They repeat the, this small details that one would never even imagine uh, across countries, people who are drop, drop out of school uh, and, and never had formal education, people who come from uh, Eastern Europe and, and through Latin America and, and Asia and here and there, all saying the exact same things without knowledge that other people are saying that. There's never been anything like this in human history before. I can say that without doubt. How do you exclude, for example, uh, a coping mechanism that people might, you know, you say it's common right across uh, boundaries, so whether gender specific, whether uh, racial, whether uh, poverty rich, whatever. How do you exclude some kind of coping mechanism that people might be gravitating towards, and this is their way of coping. You mean, for example, uh, being sexually abused sexually as a child abused, and they cope with it? Sexually abused, right. some kind of abuse that has gone on. Well, sexually abused actually has been uh, brought forward by members of the psychiatric and psychological community, and it's a very interesting idea. Um, uh, the, num the amount of, uh, the number of uh, articles in, in peer-reviewed magazines written about how sexual abuse transforms itself into alien abuse uh, 30 or 40 years later, um, the number of articles is, uh, I th think the number has reached zero. <laughs> in other words, there's no evidence for this at all, even though everybody used to say it. Now they don't say that anymore. They say it's... Uh, uh, sleep paralysis. That's that, that. These things come and go in revolutions over the years because no people who are debunkers or who so they ha say they have an answer for it usually have no knowledge of the subject, and therefore they don't know what's already been discussed over the years. They just they they think of something you know like oh sleep paralysis. That's what it probably is. Not knowing that 15 years ago this came up and was destroyed by UFO researchers, and now that people forget that and they don't know it. And, that sort of thing. So uh, this is a hard one to put down to something that's in internally generated. It's really, really difficult. Now, the problem here is that people see other people being abducted and may not be abducted themselves. People see other people being abducted. Now, it's rare, but we do have cases of it. Uh, people see other people being abducted and are abducted themselves, for example, family members. Uh, and so... Uh, um, it's it's not just uh, a single person's story. It's it, there's people are abducted uh, in groups, and sometimes they recognize themselves just at random uh, uh, um, uh, as being as, as being seen on a UFO. I mean, if somebody came up and said they saw me on a UFO, I would know the person was mistaken. 
because there's, I'm not an abductee. For example, a woman uh, who lived uh, in central Pennsylvania, uh, uh, had, she lived in a, in a very nice house uh, on top of a little sloping hill, and her mailbox was down at the bottom of this driveway. So every day she'd get up and she'd walk down to get the mail. And one day she walks down and there's a guy, guy who's got a pickup truck with its hood open near the mail, up, the, up a little bit from the mailbox. Because obviously his, car, his truck conked out and he was working on it. And she gets her mail, looks over there. And he looks here and he says, I know you. I saw you on a UFO. We were together. Don't you remember? I saw you. And she said, no, 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 not me, not me, not me. And she goes running back up the, uh, the driveway. I had already been working with her, but this was just ripping out her little piece of denial that she still had in her mind. What, when you come across a, a patient like this, um, they're obviously suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, I suspect. Yes and no. Yes oh, and no. Okay, please. Um, I, uh, I I called a post abduction stress disorder. I, I, and I, um, actually, my, my colleague uh, uh, Ron Western, a professor of sociology at at, uh, at Western Michigan University, uh, called it that. And I, but I put that in my book Secret Life. And uh, I did think that that was the case that this was traumatic. And then I began to think about it a little bit differently. This begins in infancy and goes into old age. And if they're 45 or 50 years old or 60 years old and they come to me, and this happens maybe 10 or 15 times a year or more, um, and it's happened therefore hundreds of times, now we're getting into the bizarreness of this all, uh, how traumatic could it be? I mean, it's part of their lives since they were children. And I've learned that it's remembering it for the first time that really does bring forward a certain amount of uh, of mental trauma, uh, of trauma that 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 is easily be easily dealable with, if I can use that word. Uh, and so, when people come to me, they're driven. They know something has been going on, and they want to know what it is. And uh, so, the way I look at it is. Uh, they're a ship. Uh, they're desperate. They're, it's listening to one side, and I just want to get it steady again. And I do that uh, after a few sessions, even, as people then begin to remember what's happened to them, and then they become interested in it. And yes, sometimes it is sort of traumatic, especially when they're having some painful procedures done to them and all that, and they can feel it again and all. And all. But the fact is, though, that... Uh, they become sort of researchers themselves, at least when they're with me, and 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 the trauma is mitigated tremendously, but it's more a trauma of memory than it is of actual event. I I think I think. When most people approach somebody for therapy, therapeutic, uh, either behavioral or medication or whatever, there's usually a goal in mind. Uh, something to relate, to uh, relive, and to ostracize after, to get rid of it after, exercise it, if you will. What is the goal it, it, for each patient in this case? Is it a common goal as well? They all want one thing. They want to know what's been going on with them. Once they learn about that, and I, now I don't charge any money for anything I do, and they can come as many times 
as they want. Uh, but um, and they can come once or or a hundred times, and that's I, I've ha actually had a hundred sessions with one person. But um, uh, the fact is so that uh, they just want to know, and once they know, once they learn, they can get on with their lives, and they don't care anymore. It, they know it's happening. It's happening when we're uh, during the time in which we're doing, uh, uh, we're looking at. It. In other words, they go home and they're abducted. I've had people who are abducted on their way to my home office here, and I've had people who are abducted uh, uh, when they left the driveway. And uh, it, it doesn't matter. After a while, now, and this is going to sound, this will be the craziest thing I say. Uh, after after a while, it just is. Um, it, it just is something that uh, they don't care about. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to them anymore. They don't care if they're abducted. They just want to get out with their normal lives like they're supposed to. And that's what I try to give to them. So you, you validate their feelings. I'm just wondering, does group therapy, does that help as well when they can talk to other, well, I was going to say survivors, for lack of a better word, of their well, abductions? It's, it's still happening. You know, so, yeah, um, yeah I, 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 that does help. Um, uh, I, I, I've been lax, and recently I haven't had them for a long time, but I used to have, have abductee get-togethers, and they could talk. They could talk freely to each other and not have to be embarrassed about these off-the-wall ideas that, that that they seem to have. And but everybody has the same ideas. Everybody's had the same experiences, so they can. It's it's a freeing uh, situation for them. They they have the freedom to talk about this with people who understand exactly exactly uh, what they're going through. Uh, so um, there is this. And I hate to use the word because it, it is and it isn't, but there is this healing aspect to everything. Uh, and I'm I'm very very that's that's my goal. The the person comes first. That is my goal. Uh, however, uh, my second goal is to figure out what the heck is going on here. What's this all about? And uh, I have spent uh, almost, except for two years, uh, almost my entire adult life. I think I started around. 65, getting interested in UFOs, and I spent my entire adult life uh, studying the subject of UFOs, and then in the 80s, uh, uh, abductions. And uh, so I, I don't know uh, whether they need to put a butterfly net over me or, or not. <laughs> David, you said you started at 65? Was that like yesterday or what? Because honest to God, I thought you were like in your early 60s, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. No, I started with, in 1965. Oh, I, my mistake. Okay. Which just goes to 19... show that I'm aging because my hearing is, you know, first, folks, the hair, what can I tell you? You get a little bit of a pot, and then your hearing, and if anything important goes, well, I'm going to ask for a refund. We're speaking. It was my memory first, then my hair. <laughs> <laughs> David Jacobs, our, uh, our guest tonight, folks. He's got a great book out called Walking Amongst Us, The Alien Plan to Control Humanity. He's done great work. We've been talking about some of the psychological effects that folks that he uh, treats have come to him with. Now I'm gonna get, we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. We're going to talk about some of that information that he's been able to um, get from these various folks. And uh, one of the things is I, I'd like you to describe for the people that are unaware of the various types of aliens. And perhaps you could tell us the difference between hybrids, hubrids, and insectolins. And, and well, 
what we're looking at here on board the UFO is, uh, is, is not just one type of, of alien. Everybody looks at the great aliens. It's been all over the place in, in North America. It's, it's uh, used for advertising, for a, a comic relief. There's gray aliens here, there, and everywhere. Uh, gray aliens are basically workers. They're grunt soldiers, in a way. They, they're workers. They're, uh, they're, they're people who uh, just obey orders. Um, they, the ones who really are behind this whole procedure uh, are the insect-like ones, or uh, people say insect-looking ones, insect-like ones. I just put the two words together, insects and aliens, and leave out one letter, and it becomes insectolins. And so I, uh, the insectolins seems to be, seem to be the ones who came here first, who chose this planet as one that would, they would in some way acquire and have for, for many, many, many years now been involved with um, either getting ready for pl what I call planetary acquisition or uh, or doing it without our knowing for all those years, one of the two. Uh, we can date the phenomenon back with a mild degree of, um, uh, of credibility, so to speak, uh, to about the latter quarter of the 19th century. And uh, in terms of direct references, just family history. But one time I was reading a letter um, in a now defunct UFO organization's files. This was the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, run by Jim and Carl Lorenzen, who were pioneer of UFO researchers. And uh, the letter basically was from an elderly man. This was written in the 1950s or 60s. I can't remember when it was. Very, it was in the 50s, I think, who said, this is what happened to me in 1917. I thought you might want to know. And uh, he said he was 11 years old in this letter as I'm standing there reading this in her file cabinet. And, um, and uh, his parents took him to his grand grandparents' house, which, which was a farm in the Midwest somewhere. And he got bored and he went out in the back area and there was a wooded area and he wandered around and went into the wooded area and whereupon he came, uh, came upon a large silvery object disc-like on the ground. And he was sort of astounded when he saw that. And then he noticed that there were some several little people standing there looking at him. So he did what he's supposed to do. He turned around and he ran for his life. And uh, they chased him, he said, but he beat them back to his grandparents' house and he thought that Jim... Carl Lorenzen would like to know that story. Now, that, that was 1917, and I can tell you right off that gray aliens don't run after people in that regard outside, uh, number one. Number two, um, uh, he is not going to turn and run. That he's, Once he sees them, he's already under their control. This is typical abduction material, where he remembered A, the beginning of it, forgot all the rest of the alphabet, and got to Z, and remembered Z, the end of it. And that's typical of abduction accounts. They remembered something happening in the room. The next thing they knew, they were uh, they were flopped in their bed, or they're, or they're back in their car, or something like that. They remember A and Z. And that's exactly what he did, I think. Once again, there's no way to, to verify this. Uh, so that was 1917. So they must have been up to their mischief, so to speak, uh, uh, early on, early on. Bud Hopkins, my uh, colleague, uh, did 
uh, one regression for a guy in the 1920s, and I've done a couple of regressions with uh, people uh, who uh, were who children in the 1930s and the events happened in the 1930s. So we know it predates the UFO phenomenon as a societal sort of observation. And, and folks, just to let you know, we kind of look at 1947, the Roswell crash, as the modern-day uh, UFO phenomena, kind of the, the benchmark for that and the turning point. So well, I, I look at the uh, at the June 24th, uh, 1947 sighting by a pilot named Kenneth Arnold that set the whole thing in motion. Uh, Roswell, whether you believe in it or not believe in it, did not become public uh, knowledge until uh, uh, about 1980 or 81 or whatever it was. And um, uh, whereas Kenneth Arnold, invent, uh, he he really kicked it off. It, it became a, a national sensation uh, on June 25th, the next day, you know. And uh, then everybody began to say how they had seen this these same objects years before and all that kind of stuff. But before that, there were the ghost rockets of 1946 in, in Western Europe. And before that, there were the Foo Fighters in the Eastern and the, uh, and, and, and the, and the Eastern and the Western theaters of war. Uh, and uh, so there, there, there were, and before that, in 1896, 1897, there was a mystery airship wave in the United States. And there were no airships in the United States and all that. And so we can actually, there is a little bit of evidence that it goes back that far. David Jacobs, our guest tonight, www.nightfrightshow.com, www.nightfrightshow.com. The book is called Walking Among Us, The Alien Plan to Control Humanity. Just click on tonight's guest book cover. It'll take you right to a spot where you can order the book from the comfort of your own home. It's an ominous um, roadmap, if you will, to how aliens are taking control of us inch by inch by inch. According to David and uh, David, I was wondering if we could, if you could explain a little bit how you've been able to ascertain the various methods aliens are employing right now to control humans. Well, mass control we don't know. All I can talk to you about is individual control. So, um, First of all, you you are required to have that control for the abduction phenomenon itself. You cannot get people on board who kick and scream and run down the halls and who grab instruments and plunge them into the necks of uh, of gray aliens or what. You can't have that. Everybody is... Just teasing. <laughs> no, right. So uh, you, what you have to do is you, you, you have to be able to control people from the time they they are ready to be abducted, which may, might mean driving in their car at night, uh, and where they, here's a for instance, the typical story. Uh, I was uh, driving in my car one night. Uh, the wife was in the front seat. The kids were in the back, and suddenly the wife uh, saw this UFO something or other out the window, and it, it was off to the side of the road, and then it went across the highway, went out to the other side of the road on a field, and and we. You know, we pulled over and took a, a good look at that, and that, that thing just took off and flew away. What that person is actually saying is, I was driving along with the wife and the kids in the front seat and the back seat, and my wife saw this thing, and we looked over there, and there was this UFO, and it was amazing, and it flew over to one side of the road or the other side of the road, and uh, I got the sense that I had to move to pull over and stop the car. 
and then I waited. And then there were these beings there, and they opened the door, and they took me in. And this happened, and that happened, and this happened, and that happened, and this happened. And then they brought me out, and they brought me back to the car. And that thing just flew off at a fantastic speed. It was just amazing. Uh, so so they've, they've done the AZ situation. You see what I mean? That's typical. And um, in order to have that, you have to forget everything that just happened to you. You're the most spectacular event in the history of mankind just happened to you, and you have no knowledge of it. Most abductees have no knowledge of any of their experiences, although they've had an odd, they led odd lives, uh, but uh, they don't attach it to the UFO phenomenon. So that is control. That's neurologic control. And when they're on board, they can't run down the hallways, although every once in a while that does happen. Uh, and they they can't they have to obey as they do, and and. Uh, People stare into their eyes, uh, beings, uh, uh, gray aliens, or the, or insectolins, or hybrids, and we didn't even talk about hybrids yet. And they um, uh, can, in my opinion, hook into the optic nerve because that's the only nerve that can be seen from the outside in into a person's body is the optic nerve. At least that's what I'm told. And uh, when it comes to anything to do with medical science or science of any sort, I have to. Everything is qualified here with me. But um, so I then have I then uh, uh, they then can hook into any neurological sites in the person's brain. They can make the person think anything, see things that they want them to see. They can look at what the person was doing in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they can do all sorts of things. And the reason I know that is because people, when they're fooling around in there by just staring into their eyes at the distance of touching foreheads or a couple of inches or something like that. They sometimes can feel things coming up and down around, the, and, and their, 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 their arm moves, and this, and the other. They, they get, you can just see them going through their minds. And um, so uh, that's control that we cannot begin to understand. How, how that works, I don't know. Now, if you were, people say, oh, you know, I saw this uh, hybrid, and uh, he was standing next to me in a line at the movie theater once, and he was weird. He was weird. And, you know, I really disliked that guy who's standing right behind me kind of just the answer to that is, is that's a, just is there a way to tell if it's a hybrid or no not? not at all not at all the whole point is to not be able to tell okay. and if you look around you think that guy is oh i thought he was weird but he's really a nice guy and i really like him a lot that's different <laughs> that might be he might be onto something but if they look weird they are not allowed to blend into the society. That is a, that's a reject. They cannot look weird. They have to look perfectly average. They cannot stand out at all. That is, that is something that has been consistent through all abductees, uh, the, the, the ability to blend in and not stand out. So weird-looking people are not hybrids, period. What's the purpose of a hybrid? Well, the way in which... You're talking about a bunch of different things here, but I'll talk about one thing in general. And that is the, the concept of time. The way in which you have planetary acquisition from what people describe is simply making hybrids. Now we knew from the very first two abduction events we ever heard of, the Antonio Villas Boas case in Brazil in 1957, and the 1961 Barney and Betty Hill case in New Hampshire. 
we knew that there was a reproductive aspect to the abduction phenomenon. That is to say, um, uh, people uh, in Barney and Betty Hill, he had sperm sample taken, although that was in nowhere in the books that in books and articles are written about him because he was too embarrassed. Uh, but um, he had John Fuller, the author of the book Interrupted Journey, about them. Uh, he had them had him take that out of the book. Uh, but Betty had a quotes pregnancy test, as she called it, as they, as they said. Uh, but that's al almost certainly not true. They didn't say that, but that was in her mind, and she thought that it was. And um, uh, and with Antonio Villaspos in 1957, they took sperm in a different kind of way with a female who looked quite human uh, from him. Of all the things to think of, why would you say something like that? It just makes your makes your your account less reasonable. It's just as reasonable be abducted on board a UFO, you know what I mean? Let alone having to make have uh, love relations with this uh, female who, who pointed to her stomach and then pointed up. He said, uh, and as it, and he said he was he felt like he was being used as a stallion to improve their stock. Anyway, the point is, from the get go, there was a reproductive element to this, and people have described having eggs taken, sperm taken. And the women have had uh, uh, embryos implanted in them. Uh, nine between nine and twelve weeks later, the, um, the 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 fetus is taken out. They're gestated in tanks. We I have hundreds of cases of this. Uh, I've only worked with 150 people, but I have hundreds of incidents of this, I should say. And um, so uh, uh, that embryo fetus becomes a hybrid baby. And there's a spectrum of hybrids, some who look quite alien, only there's a little pointed chin, a little tiny nose, and a little tiny ears, and a little tiny mouth, and very straggly uh, hair, and uh, thin. And then all the way to, there's a spectrum. Now, I've divided it up into different types, but it's a smoother spectrum than I know of. Uh, so, But I, I did it just because it's handier to think about them this way, because the degree of hybridization uh, 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 determines what kind of tasks or jobs they will have. So ones who look quite alien, who are like what I call early stage or middle stage, they stay on board. They're not going to be here because they look weird. Uh, and they take care of other hybrid children from babies on. Uh, and there's other tasks for them to do as well. The final ones who get to be more and more human, I call all hubrids. They are human in every conceivable way imaginable except one. They look perfectly average. They are five foot nine. They are the males or females are shorter. They, they are perfectly average. And um, but they can control people that they can they can make people think things. They can make people like them. They can make people people walk away. If they're driving a car, they're not going to get a ticket necessarily uh, from a police officer. He's going to come up and he and he's going to say hi, how you doing? And he'd walk away, you know. And that's that. Uh, they can walk into a store, as I have one account there of, uh, and just uh, take a, a jacket uh, to a uh, because they needed to. <laughs> now I'm going to say something crazy. Because they were going to a baseball game with an abductee <laughs> in Baltimore, the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, the guy showed up wearing a Toronto Blue Jays shirt. And uh, he, the abductee told him, you can't do that. You have to wear 
my team, the Baltimore Orioles. So they walked into a, when they got to Camden Yard, he walked into a, uh, a store and he just picked out a jacket that said um, Baltimore Orioles on it. He smiled at the person at the cash register who smiled at him and he just walked out, man, and nobody was the wiser. Except that person might get fired because she allowed somebody to walk out with a shirt and maybe there was a security camera there, who knows, you know. So, but uh, that's what they can do. What that does is it makes them a first-class species and us a second-class species. It's not like we're different kinds of citizens. It's a, it's a species differentiation. And they're number one, and, and we're number two. And I don't like being number two in this, in this race, so I want to be number one. I have to I have tell to. you, when I, when I was reading your book, I made a bunch of notes. One of the things when they were doing experiments on things, I thought of Mengele. And it scares, it scares the bejesus out of me to think that, you know, we are number two and they're number one, the supermensch, if you will. Um, well, actually, that's a good characterization because I just finished reading in a New York Review of Books an article about uh, Hitler who, who and his thoughts about the Jews as a different species of human being, only to be destroyed. And Mengele, who was a, a Nazi doctor at a concentration camp, uh, famous for his experiments on, on the Jews, um, he uh, uh, he's a, a perfect example. He, he he bought into that 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 ideology of Hitler's totally and completely, so he could do anything he wanted to, to to the people who were, were imprisoned at various concentration camps. Is and, there any cases of experimentations going on right now on twins? We know Mengele was big on twins. I'm just throwing it out there. It just came to my mind. I. I worked with one twin who, whose brother uh, was uh, and could not remember anything that had happened to him, so he never looked into it. I, I would very much like to work with twins to see uh, how they reacted to this, but it doesn't really matter. It, it's, it's twins. It's, 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 it's anybody and everybody. There's only one thing that everybody has in common their mother or their father or both were abductees. It is intergenerational. And that is the one constant that my colleague Bud Hopkins discovered many years ago. That's the one thing that has stayed constant all the way all the way through. And so uh, when people used to come to me with their kids and I say, well, I don't work with anybody below the age of 21. And then I started asking them about their own experiences. And I say, well, I'll work with you, you know, ma'am or mister or whatever. Uh, and then you can decide uh, what you want your child to know about this subject. I'll leave it up to the parents. Generally speaking, the parents are the ones that don't want anything about it, you know, and they don't want, they don't want them to be frightened every night and all the rest of that stuff and have it, have it not be a dream. They would rather just couch it as a dream for the kids. Oh, you're just having a bad dream, that sort of thing, you know. You write in a book that there's, there's training going on of human beings. Do they ever... Do the people that are doing the training, the aliens that are doing the training, do they ever use violence if they're not getting their way? Yes. Um, now, violence to them is not violence for us, which is uh, shooting somebody, hurting somebody with a hammer. That that they don't do. But there is a a certain pathway to actually doing a form of violence. Uh, the pathway. There's only one thing that they're concerned with. That, in other words, 
when an abductee is helping a hybrid, it's not just that the hybrid is alone. There's usually uh, a security hybrid who's overlooking sometimes the, the, the learning situations, not always, but there's a security hybrid who's attached to this particular hybrid's case. Uh, and there's also what I call a personal project hybrid who has been attached to the female or to a male, but I've only seen it with females, for, for many years, oftentimes since they were children. And, uh, and they are, the two of them, the security hybrid and the personal project hybrid are the protector of the hybrid who is, of the hubrid, let's put it that way, who's in the process of actually moving in. The only way that a person who's under control can violate something. The only way that they can do something that is against the rules is to remember it and talk about it. That is the only thing that they're concerned about. That blows their cover. That means that bad things can happen. Maybe I can show up at her home with a shotgun one day, although it wouldn't help because I wouldn't be able to do anything since they would control me immediately. But, uh, but it's, they do not want it. This is a clandestine operation. This is not something, it's all done in secret. It's not something that they want anybody to know about ever. So um, what we see here is uh, people who simply keep talking to me. And they tell them not to do it. They threaten them. They threaten me. Uh, sometimes those threats are, are fairly serious and got me uh, and got me in all sorts of trouble once. But uh, but uh, have you ever been personally threatened and do you fear for your family? Yes, but only through abductees testimony, not somebody coming up to me and me getting the impression that I, I better stop or anything like that. Nothing like that. I don't think I've ever been face to face with a hybrid that I would know of, but I probably, so, who knows how many hybrids have been face-to-face with and didn't know about it. No male black uh, coming to your door. No, 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 that's, now you're into folklore. But, um, uh, listen, I'm the craziest person on the planet, but I there's, there's lines over which I don't step, you know. Okay. okay. No, I was just wondering, you know, if governments, if you feel that governments might be involved somehow. Well, let me just finish up on the violence thing. Sure, sure. Um, so, Eventually, what happens is they can't get the person to stop. They can't do it, and I just keep doing sessions with them and doing sessions with them. And they can't get them to stop, and they and they they do they threaten everything. They scare the the, the living hell out of them and all that. Then uh, they resort ultimately to violence. It starts out with sexual violence, but they've had the sexual stuff all for years and years. There's, but it even. Can, go to a certain amount of, well, of cutting, just to teach the person a, a, a lesson that heals up very quickly, but there's there's a cut and there's blood there originally. Then to things as off the wall as um, uh, sticking one's thumb into the bottom of a cheekbone and pressing real hard, and as something going on there leaves, it's, apparently it hurts, whatever, however they do it, but there's no mark. Who would ever think of that, of all things? You know, I've had a serial, I've had a whole bunch of people describe that. What the heck? You know, I mean, of all things to think of, that that would not be the first thing that comes to my mind when you're thinking of violence. That sounds like torture. Well, it's just they're inflicting pain, but there's no bruise. That's the whole point of it. Then um, there's um, uh, pushing a woman down backwards and then pulling them up by their hair. That I've seen a bunch of times. Uh, one woman who was uh, uh, a little overweight 
actually broke her wrist when she fell back to break her fall. So she woke up in the morning with a broken wrist. I asked her how she, she, she hates when I get together is, uh, and I, I asked her how she got that cast. And she said, well, how, how she, you know, she broke her wrist. I said, asked her what happened. She said she broke her wrist. She said, well, how did that happen? She said she didn't know. Well, that's, that's not an answer. That's a correct answer. What do you mean you don't know? I mean, everybody who's ever broken their wrist knows exactly how it happened, unless they were too young, and then their parents know exactly how it happened. It's a trauma running through their, their minds. So, um, and the final one is, um, and now this is, now, everything is off the wall, of course, but, uh, but this one here has a resonance with us these, in this day and age. They take a woman or uh, take an abductee, and they stick uh, her head. I'm using her because the majority of my people are, are, are female. They take her into the bathroom, put her in the shower, force her to lift her head up, and then they turn the shower on, and she thinks she's going to drown. And they say, next time we're going to, you know, we're going to, you're going to get more, you are going to drown, we're going to, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, and they do this uh, often, and or dunk a woman's head in water, and they do that, and that, and um, well, that's violence, the way I look at it. <laughs> That's that's violence. How do you get your audience to deal with this? Because as you said, uh, it's it's continual. It, it's it's ever present and it's continual. How well, it's to... the worst thing is if they're still working with me. As soon as they stop working with me, then everything is equals out again. Then they don't have to. There's no violence. There's no nothing. Everything is fine. Uh, but they learn that. Um, well, th they're too precious to do anything. Any real damage to nothing is good. That's the way I look at it, and that's, that's the way they, they look at it too. They've been having this done to them since they were kids. Now, no violence or anything like that, but they've been have, being abducted many, 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 many times, many times, and therefore there's a lot of energy and uh, and thought placed uh, by these uh, aliens into them, and uh, there's a and these are prized people, so to speak, who will help these beings integrate into this society. So you can do a lot of things to them, but you can't kill them, so to speak. You can't do it to be just brutal about it. You can't do that. They're, they're but do you, do you think, commodities. But once the hubrids are numerous enough to take over the planet, do you think we're on the extinction list? I, I don't know. My... Abductees have have talked about this when they've asked some questions of these beings, and uh, a couple of them have brought up the idea that a small uh, group of um, humans—they don't know how many—would be kept uh, for breeding processes in case the, the hybrid program needs more uh, uh, human uh, sperm and eggs or whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, however. Um, uh, I, 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 I look at the future and uh, I, I don't like it. Uh, I, I don't look forward to it with, uh, with, with what's, what's the next most wonderful, surprising thing that's going to happen. I, I did years ago when I thought this was the most amazing thing and this is contact in some way and these people are just examining us just like we would do with animals if we found them on another planet and all that sort of stuff. And then the more I got into it, the more I realized what was happening I began to be fearful of it, and now I, I really fear the phenomenon. Uh, I, I don't like it at all. I, I just I just don't see a happy ending to this. I, I just don't see it. Even if they keep humans around, we're second-class species. You know, 
it's it's once you can control us, that's all you need. You make us do anything you want, anything. And so uh, uh, I just, for some reason or another, that's a little off-putish to me. Let me ask you this then. Um, I'm going to try and draw an analogy here. Uh, we all know Iran is a terrorist uh, state, terrorist country, and they outsource a lot of their terrorism to Hezbollah, Hamas. They pay them to do their dirty work for them, if you will. Is there any chance that perhaps, because it sounds like the aliens are operating out of terror, they're trying to control us out of terror, especially when you mention the violence. Is there any chance that perhaps a group such as ISIS could be uh, controlled by the aliens, perhaps as an outsource to try and control us? No, too far? I don't think so. I think that humans have their own ways of, uh, of being uh, uh, totally nutty. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I think this is a, a peculiarly um, a human thing that we see going on uh, where people uh, can uh, uh, do outlandish uh, things for, for any number of, of thousands of reasons. I also uh, don't think that the government knows much about this, to answer a question you were about to ask before. Um, uh, now, people have told me, do you think that maybe there's a secret government working, uh, you know, and they know all, all about it and this and that? And, and my answer is, I hope so. That would be wonderful. I would dance with joy. That would be great. There's people in the government who are actually looking at this subject in a cold, clear light who understand what's going on. I'll t take it. I don't care whether they keep it from me or not. That's fine. I'll take it. But I, I, don't, e I don't even think that that's happening. I've got everything. Thing at stake in it in terms of uh, I hope that it's true, but uh, I, I I don't think that the government knows anything about it. I don't think they care about it. I think they, it's just fringy. They take in something like this, they have to take their their cues from the scientific community. It's like Einstein and a group of other scientists writing to President Roosevelt saying that they think they can make a, an atomic bomb. You know, you can't just say that. You've got to have a group of scientists coming forward and saying, and the president saying, let's do it. No group of scientists who are active in the scientific community and who have major uh, careers, virtually none of them think that this is anything except the, the overheated Amer uh, imaginations of people all around the world, <laughs> all having overheated, overheated imaginations in the same exact way. Uh, but, and so there, there's no unanimity of opinion among scientists to, to, to at least take a, a serious look at this and then report back to the president or the or National Science Foundation or whatever it is that something is happening here. And that I just, I, I'm, I'm too jaded now. I, and maybe I'm just too old, but this has been going on for, for many, many decades and, uh, and absolutely no uh, uh, studies have been done of it by the scientific community except for those scientists who are UFO or abduction researchers, of which there are a handful of us, but otherwise, of them, I'm not a scientist, uh, uh, but otherwise, uh, there's nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. And studying UFOs is not, is not the problem. I mean, UFOs are the outside shells of objects. You can't really tell much about what's going on inside by looking at the outside. The abduction phenomenon gets you inside, and so scientists would have to look at abductions. They just can't look at is, is there any hope in all of this? 
If there is, I haven't thought of it, but I'm, then again, I'm not a grand thinker. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not very happy about the future. I just don't, I'm not hopeful about it. I, I don't see anything being done to, to uh, overcome the situation. Now, there's a guy named Mike Menken. Mike Menken is on the right track. He makes special hats, helmets, which in some way block however they, people can be controlled. I'm not sure of the efficacy of, of it totally, but he's on the right track. He knows that they can get through to people's brains through, through neurological means. So if you cover in some way, cover the head up, I mean, that's, that's the correct way of thinking. And he, he makes these sort of uh, caps, these, these hats that he sends out free to people, and it costs him uh, a pretty penny for each one. Uh, he has to make them and all that. And, uh, and people report that, that uh, their abductions have slowed down or stopped or, or, or whatever. The problem here is maybe 95% of all abductees don't know other abductees. So, you, 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 maybe, but he's onto something. And if somebody with just an intelligent way of looking at this can can figure something like that out, then a group of, of scientists might be able to, to figure something out. They might be able to come up with some sort of a way of identifying who's an abductee and then protecting them so that there's a crimp in their style and the, and the alien style, at least in North America. What is happening in Pakistan, of which there are abductees, that I, not, I don't know. So it's a global global phenomenon. In other words, everything is stacked against the uh, stopping it. Well, I think one of the facts that you mentioned before, we're always warring with each other. We're not a unified species in any sense. So that's probably one of the attractions um, for conquering this planet, if you will, because we're so busy shooting each other, we don't have time to look up to see what's going on. And especially in the United States, we, we're, we're experts at that. Well, I, around the globe, it seems, uh, we're more, we're more concerned with uh, killing and, people than feeding people. And we do in the Middle that. East, that's exactly right. right. Yep. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is you had mentioned before, they don't like when we talk about it. So perhaps the work you're doing and bringing it forward and talking about it, perhaps even this show is helping out. The other thing I wanted to leave folks with is um, I'm ever optimistic, and I believe in humanity i believe in the hope in all of this is that by its very nature relationships will develop between beings bonds will emerge love and respect are entwined but above all in the human heart and soul there is an insatiable desire to be free that i don't think can ever be conquered so there is always hope when it's dark there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Always, 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 and believe in that. Well, I, I certainly hope you're right. There is one other thing. Yes, sir. It is possible that these hybrids will uh, understand that freedom of uh, thought, freedom of expression, freedom to do what you want to do is really good. And they might, in fact, in some way, rebel against their masters. They may are their, their, the people behind them who created them uh, and, and create their own society where they could live side by side 
with humans, but at the same time, they would be controlling them, so that part of the argument isn't so good. But um, but th there might be something like that also. I, I sort of throw that out a little bit in the book. Uh, you know, it's 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 there in this book, and uh, um, but uh, but. I, all I can say is that I hope I'm wrong about everything. And I've, having wasted my life studying, studying a subject that doesn't exist except in people's minds, I'm fine with that. That's okay. We're going to have to start to wrap up. I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your work with us. The book, folks, is Walking Among Us, and it is The Alien Plan to Control Humanity. Our guest and the author is David M. Jacobs. And easy way to get the book is always, folks, www.nightfrightshow.com, www.nightfrightshow.com. A shout-out to Kelly Logue. Thanks, Kelly, for putting the website together week after week after week. And uh, send me an email so I can send it off to Kelly and uh, let him know that you're grateful, too. I'm Brent Holland from Night Fright. Thank you, David. I'll Thank you. We'll see you next time. First-person witness accounts. Order yours right now. Nightfrightshow.com.